Slovenly trolls, slovenly trolls, we're big, bad, evil girls. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. I am your host, Lissa. And I'm the other host. Hello, Charday. You're not the only host here. <laughs> I am one of the hosts. Yes. Yes. That's better. Thank you. That's all I want is some recognition. Um, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, so this <laughs> episode is going to be a lovely, uh, what we dubbed Slovenly Sleuths episode, because we are a, tri- a true crime podcast now. If you yes, haven't, if you are. haven't listened to our previous episode, um, so we are going to investigate, investigate. Sorry, um, what was the TSR Twitter dumpster fire? Um, if you saw us on social media, we did something about that on there. Um, so another Twitter gate, which that was a flashback. Well, that would be a flashback to our first episode, which was also a, a Twitter gate. Um, but this time we were there to witness it live, as Sharday can attest. Our text back and forth to each other during this time period is just full of screenshots and us screaming at each other, <laughs> which was part of the inspiration for this episode, <laughs> was how heated that we both personally got. And as you know, our um, our testament to what 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 should our next episode be on is usually what makes us the most angry, and this made us quite angry and confused. So, backstory, <laughs> yeah, context, um, context. So yes, there was a situation on Twitter involving um, TSR, transphobia, gatekeeping, and a bunch of old school D and D nerds, and we're gonna find out what happened. So stay tuned. Um, We're doing it in three parts. Uh, So we have the context for you, as usual. Um, We're going to talk about the three TSRs, because it's confusing, we know. Um, Who's involved? And how is it all connected? Uh, Part two, timeline of events, a.k.a. the good shit. Um, <laughs> the good shit lollipop. The good shit lollipop. And part three, <laughs> what can we learn? So how do you not end up at a Twitter gate? How not to do this? How not to be a dick. Yeah. Which I think we usually end up most of our episodes on. So really on theme for us. Yeah. Um, as a disclaimer, um, these are real people. Um, that we are going to be talking about and real events that happened and real feelings were involved. Um, so we're not going to dedicate any time to talk about people's personal lives. Uh, we'll be focusing more on their business decisions and the public statements that they made um, when we come at them, you know, with giving context and always giving them the benefit of the doubt. So we are not doing personal attacks. These are not personal attacks on anyone involved. And everything that we're taking is usually from their public statements that they put on public platforms as well. Yeah. So I think that's fair. That's pretty fair game to give people like the benefit of the doubt is like curated statements and stuff that they posted with intent. Yeah. Okay. So without further ado, part one, context. So there are 
not one, not two, but three TSRs in the story, as we have called them TSR1, TSR2, and TSR3. And not just us. It's the the internet has called them. Yeah, we didn't come up with these names. I mean, they're not the most clever, but we also didn't come up with them. <laughs> Plus, it's, it's easier to understand if we just label them as this. Trust yeah. us. So what the fuck is TSR? Or rather, what are all these TSRs and why? So TSR 1, the original TSR, was the Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated, uh, founded in 1973 by Gary Gygax and his boyhood friend Donald Kay. Um, it also included some other people, some OG TSR peeps that we're going to talk about later. Um, it was a family company. Um, his children and wives were heavily involved in it. Um, so it was the original company that produced AD&D and 2.0 of D&D editions. Um, it ran out of money in 1996, was threatened with lawsuits in 1997 and subsequently sold to Wizards of the Coast. Uh, one notable thing that we can say about TSR1 is it is a major, and I mean like capital letters, like big bold font, major source of nostalgia, like an icon um, for some old school gamers who think that you know, Gary Gygax is their idol, and um, that TSR One was the the origin of all that is D and D, of all that is good about D and D. There's still discourse on forums, on Twitter, on N World, Lissa's favorite site, nworld.org, nworld.org.com.org, um, <laughs> that uh that still think that Wizards of the Coast ruined TSR. And that's completely up for debate uh, for your opinion. But yeah, it's I think it's pretty safe to say with all the discourse that we've seen on the internet, it's pretty nostalgic for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the original TSR. And now there are two other TSRs. So I'll go briefly into what the difference between those two TSRs is and what significance that they have to this story. Um, because this is kind of where it starts to get confusing because the original TSR, like we said, was founded in the 70s and then it was bought out and then we never really heard from TSR again um, until uh, 2011. And uh, Jace, a man named Jason Elliott, uh, he got the trademark for TSR. Um, he, Jason Elliott is, just for brief background, um, he is a UX designer, which I've recently learned stands for user experience, even though experience doesn't start with an E. You mean an X? I mean, it, do it, does, it does start with an E. It doesn't start with an X. And I'm still mad about it, honestly. I will keep bitching about it until I die, even though I understand because UX looks better than UE, but... I'm still mad about it. Um, so Jason Elliott, uh, he loves games, but it's not his full-time job. Um, and he, fun fact, is a co-founder and former editor of Gygax Magazine, which is partially why he got the trademark for TSR2. So TSR2 had been dormant for years and years and years, and Jason Elliott 
noticed that the trademark wasn't being held by anyone and he thought that was a damn shame and he bought it up for not that expensive i think um so you he said, bought it because when you yeah? said tsr2 was dormant for years and years and years did you mean tsr1 yeah i mean tsr1 see this is why it's confusing <laughs> they're all named tsr and i can't count because i'm not good at math <laughs> Um, so Jason Elliott, um, got the rights because he thought it was a shame that nobody was using it and he had major nostalgia for the company. And I'm, I'm getting all this information. I've watched a couple of interviews with him. So bear in mind, this is all from his own mouth and we'll link those interviews in our sources if you are interested. Um, so he got the rights, um, and... Wanted to publish games as a homage, a homage, however you like to pronounce it. And he used it to first publish Gygax magazine. Um, So it was their first venture with it. And they wanted to market and kind of spread the word about who Gary Gygax was in the new millennium. Um, So he worked, Jason, with uh, two of Gary Gygax's sons, Luke and Ernie, as well as some other TSR veterans. Uh, They also published some games, Jason's company, um, with Top Secret, the game Top Secret being their most recent project, when um, shit hit the fan. (laughs) Um, But TSR2 didn't last for very long, so he got the trademark in 2011 and then he lost it in 2020 so nine years nine years yes math we've established i'm good at math i'm not good at math um and the reason he lost it now this story is all from jason elliott's perspective because i looked around the interwebs and i couldn't really find anybody else who was involved's opinions on this so take what take this story that i'm about to say with a grain of salt because it's all from his interviews that he gave um so around 2020 um jason elliott forgot to refile for the trademark license to continue publishing gygax magazine and continue publishing games. Now, Gygax Magazine had been in a little bit of trouble before this, from what we understand. They were a bit of legal trouble mm-hmm. from Gary Gygax's second wife. His widow. Who is yeah. his widow, yes. Um, who is notorious, is that the right word, for um, going after people and companies who use the Gygax name. So because they were called Gygax Magazine, she didn't like that. Yeah, she holds the intellectual property rights, from what I can understand. Yes. And she uses those inter- it, th- She uses those rights very mm-hmm. regularly, even though Gygax Magazine was also co-run by two of his sons. So that's a whole other story unto itself. Won't get too much into that, but that was going on in the background. So Gygax Magazine was kind of folding at this point because of the lawsuit. Jason Elliott forgot to refile the license. And this is where TSR3 comes in. So TSR3 is also known as TSR LLC, which is, if you don't know what an LLC is, it's a limited liability company. I didn't have to look that up. Um, 
And an LLC is basically, it's a type of business structure that's for small businesses or individuals to help with taxes. So you don't have enough employees to become like a really big business, but you want to file taxes correctly. I think that's, I'm sure there's a lot of business people who will correct me on that, but that's my general understanding of what an LLC is. My cousin had to get an LLC in order to practice her occupational therapy, and that's kind of how she explained it to me. Um, so in on August 19th of 2020, um, TSR LLC filed for the trademark that Jason Elliott had. So TSR LLC, we had to look it up. This is a company, an LLC, that is run by a man named Justin Lanassa, who is a person we will be talking about in a bit. So Justin Lanassa owns TSR LLC, and Jason didn't recognize this name, so he got his contact information and had a phone call with him with the intention to negotiate who kept what because he was still publishing board games and tabletop games with the TSR logo on it and he wanted to know how they were going to sort that out because he fucked up and forgot to refile and now new people had it and according to Jason Elliott the call did not go well he didn't go into more details than that so Jason uh, kind of lets it go for a bit and he hears through the grapevine because he's still heavily involved in the tabletop gaming community. He hears that TSR3 and Lanasa, the guy who owns it, is talking a big game about doing a TSR museum, which we now know as Dungeon Hobby Shop. The Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum. The Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum. So Jason catches wind that they're doing this big hobby shop museum project. And he hears that his old friend, Ernie Gygax, is involved. Ernie Gygax being one of Gary Gygax's sons, who is another person we will talk about more in depth in a second. So he knows Ernie Gygax from his time on Gygax Magazine. They work together. Um, so Ernie and Jason get on a phone call. And Ernie patches in Lanasa. The three of them talk and Jason says something along the lines of, I don't want you putting something out that people think came from us because they'd been publishing games under TSR since about 2011. So Lanasa allegedly offers to license the name back to Jason for about $1 to $10. So there were talks at this point, this is in 2020, of coexisting. And Jason was considering this offer when shit hit the fan, when the Twitter gate happened, when the dumpster fire erupted? <laughs> Is that the right word? Sure. Jason, from his perspective, he did not want to be associated with that kind of behavior. He was, quote, horrified by the things that TSR3 was saying on their new Twitter account. And he decided that it was not worth the fight to keep the TSR trademark to continue being TSR2, um, even though that they had seniority rights, which I we didn't look too much into that because we just didn't have time. But he thought, Jason Elliott thought that it just wasn't worth fighting over anymore. Um, and that's kind of where TSR2 exits the picture. So TSR3 is um, the newest iteration of TSR founded, I suppose you could say, 
in 2020 um, and then got in a lot of trouble in 2021 for tweets that we will get into in our timeline. Um, But that's the backstory of what the difference between the three TSRs is. So TSR1, the original 1970s company that published the first two editions of D&D. Yeah. TSR2, Jason Elliott's company who published games under the TSR name to just kind of keep the name alive. Mm -hmm. TSR3 got the trademark after Jason Elliott forgot to refile for it because they wanted to use it supposedly for their museum, I think, and to also Mm -hmm. publish some games under. Um, So hopefully that explains the difference between the three different companies. It's very confusing, but... Well, hopefully, barring any more of my slip-ups, refer to any time in the stories where things come up, we'll make sure to say TSR 1, 2, or 3. And now Lissa is going to take us through one of the first major characters of this story, because when we get into the timeline, we're going to be throwing a lot of names around, and we've already been throwing a lot of names around. So in order to, you know, get... Get their backstory. You know, what's their character backstory? What's their deal? What's their like motivation for all of this? Um, why don't you why don't you take it away, Lisa? <laughs> so we are going to be covering what we've dubbed the TSR three squad. Um, so these are three people um, in the kind of leadership of what was is TSR three. Um, so this includes um, somebody that Sharday mentioned earlier, so Ernie Gygax, um, so Ernest Gygax Jr., um, the oldest son of Gary Gygax. Um, so he was um, in in a uh, PR release was named as the executive vice president of TSR three. So he was the oldest child of Gygax. Um, of six, five from his first wife and one from his second. And he, his motivation was, or is rather, is trying to carry on his father's legacy and paying homage to what his father did and keeping the games and the stories alive. And I think that's his biggest motivation is just keeping his father's legacy alive. Um, now, he was the oldest D&D playtester, um, as far as I read in my research. Um, he was originally the mage Tenzer, and the word Tenzer, or his name, uh, was an anagram of his first name, so Ernest. And he, according to one source, chose the first spell ever used in Greyhawk, um, which was a campaign setting, and the spell was Read Magic. So he did work for the original TSR, uh, so TSR one um, with his father, um, and he I became I believe he was like a vice president there as well, or in some form of leadership. But he actually did come up with the if you've ever seen some of the um, TSR logos for the TSR one, uh, he did actually come up with the wizard logo according to an interview that I heard from Ernie, which was. Uh, yeah, so it's a wizard um, because they used the slogan TSR, the game wizards. Um, so It's a cool looking logo. It yeah. is a cool looking logo, to be fair. Like, 
Yeah, and as he, as he, I believe, uh, compared it to, he he was comparing it to like Toys R Us and and people who had like mascots, and he was like, well, where are the oh. game wizards? So we should have a wizard, and I think that's a that's a cool idea. Yeah. So yeah, his motivation is to trying to recreate the glory days, um, and actually in one point of note that he has said himself in the interview um, that kind of started everything. He has said that he does get defensive when attacked, um, which we will get to later when we get into the timeline. And you'll see how that impacted um, the story. Mm -hmm. And so who's Justin Lanasa? Oh, it's my turn. Yes. So Justin Lanasa, um, as I mentioned before, he is the owner, founder, the, the person who registered TSR LLC. That's Justin Lanasa. He also has a website, a personal website, um, which is where I got most of my information on him, uh, as well as some news articles, because he, he's kind of been in the public sphere for a while. So in terms of this story, what you need to know about him he is the trademark holder for the TSR logo. So he kind of, on paper, is kind of the head of TSR3. I think it's safe to say. He is listed as the CEO of TSR LLC, according to some press releases. He is the owner of the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum building. So he actually bought the building, uh, according to, I believe it was one of... Gygax's children who released a statement she said that um he bought the building he is a the best way I can put it is a Swiss army knife of businesses and business management like he has his fingers in a lot of different ventures um one of which is a tattoo shop and I promise this is relevant because this is public information and I think we said we wouldn't be talking about like their personal views or personal lives, but this I think is relevant. So he is in politics. He actually ran for office twice in the last couple of election cycles. And um, in that election cycle, some dirt was dug up about a tattoo shop that he owned where he was seen in a video titled two girls fighting in grits to become head shop girl let that sink in uh it's not clear if this was his idea he does i believe own the tattoo shop but we can't say for sure if it was his idea to make two women these were women we've seen the video clip these are two women fighting in grits to get a promotion basically and it was gross he didn't deny it in the article that i read so personally, I think that kind of speaks to his business character. It might have been all fun and games to him, but I think Lisa and I both agree it's gross. Yeah. It's a gross part that we found. Um, another business he owns is called the Museum of the Bazaar, which houses a bunch of strange artifacts. And honestly, that's my jam. I love that. I love that concept. And I think according to, was it the website or an article? No, I think it was an article promoting the website. They actually have a replica of the 
what is it? The Lady of the Sen? The yeah. Sen woman? The Lady of the Sen, I believe it is. The Lady of the Sen, who, if you're not familiar with the story, a woman fell into the Sen and drowned. And when her body was recovered, uh, her corpse was thought to be so beautiful. Her face specifically, yeah. Her face specifically, yes. It was so beautiful that um, they preserved it. I, I don't remember who preserved it. I don't remember if it was the police or um, some medical people in Paris. Um, and because nobody claimed the body, it was kind of left that way. And so around this time, they were looking for faces, I guess, to put on CPR dummies, mm. like the first CPR dummies that were ever made. And so her face, because it had this international reputation for being beautiful and it was published in a bunch of papers you if you look at you can probably you know. find it yeah just normal stuff and i think this was the victorian age so honestly it does not surprise <laughs> me they were obsessed with death um <laughs> and so her face was put in a plaster and basically just put on every new iteration of a cpr dummy and maybe surgery dummies as well but i know for sure cpr dummies so apparently, the Justin Lanasa's Museum of the Bazaar has a copy of that. I thought that was a fun fact. He is, according to a couple of sources, he Justin Lanasa is a D&D fan. So there's a picture on his website of him holding up an AD&D module. And then according to some sources, he is a game enthusiast. So it is one of his many hobbies. Again... This isn't like this is part of his character, but I found this odd on his website. He has a bunch of Freemason symbols on his website, so I can only assume he's a Freemason. And if you know anything about the Freemasons, they are cult adjacent, in my opinion, <laughs> I guess, in my opinion. There are some sects of Freemasons that are very old fashioned, I'll say, in their views of women. And I'll just I'll leave it at that. You can you can look into that. I went on a deep dive. We don't have time to talk about it, but if you'd like to look that up. And another point I just thought was worth mentioning, because again, this is stuff he put on his personal website. I'm really trying not to attack him, but I just thought these things kind of spoke to his character, like definitely his business management and like all of his like different business ventures. He's also a U.S. Army veteran. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. He calls himself Sir on his website header. So it's Sir Justin Lanasa. I didn't quite know what to make of that because usually mm -hmm. when you see sir, it means somebody is a knight. And I'm pretty sure he's an American citizen who's never met Queen Elizabeth. So that's a mystery. I could not get to the bottom of that. So he dubbed himself sir. He, yeah. So I'm not sure if he's just like, hey, I'd like people to call me sir. So here's Sir Justin Lanasa on my website. Or if he thinks he's a knight. Which, oh, maybe it's a title in the Freemasons. Maybe that's the connection. I don't know. But I just thought it was, it's a title he's given himself. We won't be referring to him as Sir Justin Lanasa, but his website refers to him as Sir Justin Lanasa. <laughs> and I just personally thought, again, he has a lot of fun facts about him I thought were worth mentioning. Again, really trying not to like, this isn't a personal attack. These are just facts that I found about him that I thought were interesting. So um, our last person, Lissa, did a deep dive into. So why don't you go ahead and talk about our, our last character in the TSR 3 squad. So uh, the last squad member of TSR 3 is uh, Stephen E. Dinehart, the fourth. 
Um, so he was the CCO, so Chief Creative Officer of TSR3, LLC, um, and actually the co-creator of something called Giant Lands. Um, if you've been following, you may have recognized that name. Um, he is also the founder of um, an entertainment or game production company called Wonderfield Incorporated. And actually, we have a Finland plug here today. <gasps> Finland plug! Finland plug! Finland um, plug! The Wonderfield Incorporated has actually worked with Rovio Entertainment, um, the company famous for Angry Birds, which comes from Finland. What? Did yeah. you just give us a, Finland, a hashtag Finland fact that Angry Birds is Finnish? Yes, Angry Birds is Finnish. Originally, hashtag yeah. Finland fact. Yep. He has coined the term um, narrative designer, um, and he is one of those. Um, so from what we gathered, he's a collaborative type that translates story elements into game experiences. Um, so based on some of the interviews that I listened about him and um, other people talking about him and how um, Giant Lands came to be, he's Stephen E. Dinehart is an idea guy. Um, he's really big into immersive storytelling and role-playing um, and has a hard-on for theme parks because you, <laughs> you can't be more immersive than if you make a game into a theme park and then you become the character and then, like, in the theme park. So that's, like, his, his big thing. So he he has worked on theme parks, though. He has also worked on theme parks as well. But yeah. he wants... So, I'll get to it soon, but essentially he wants to make a new theme park um, so you can live mm -hmm. out your character. His credentials are he has a BFA um, from the Center of Creative Studies and an MFA from the University of Southern California. Something that I that is personal about him but is relevant to uh, our understanding of him is he does not believe in race or races um, and... Uh, he incorporates that into his game design. Um, so he is himself multicultural. He comes from a multicultural family. Um, and in his game Giant Lands, which I'll explain to you what that is now, um, there are no different races, um, which was something that he hated about RPGs, is that the fact that there are races. Um, he instead likes to call it species because... It, I think it's a term thing because race is just um, – there's a connotation that he doesn't like about it. Do you think it could – is he the type of person who says that he doesn't see color? Yes, he is. <sighs> I mean, My personal opinion. <laughs> I mean, I I sort of get where he's coming from. So it it is like – he he doesn't see color, I think, as as a way to respect people. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's like coming from like I don't know what where you're coming with the uh from, but I think it's it's a sign of respect that he thinks humans are humans, no matter what color you are. I just so there we're kind of running out of time for this section, but my ugh comes from there is some discourse that I've been a part of being 
a white cis woman being on the internet for a very long time and having conversations. Um, when someone calls themselves colorblind, I'm always very hesitant about it because they usually are like, oh, I don't see color. And usually, in my experience, when somebody says that, they also mean that they don't see the struggles of another culture. They don't mm. see the inequalities of another culture. And they live in this idealistic world where, yes, they might treat everybody with the same respect. That's amazing. That's great. But they also don't engage in conversations about inequality between races. Um, I think that's incorrect on his part. He is okay. Um, good. He that's is good. Cherokee, um, so Native American, I believe. Um, okay. And as as such, I think there are some struggles to be there um he is also i mm-hmm. think part jewish um and like he's multicultural so he has yeah a lot of different cultures backing that statement up so i okay. i wouldn't that makes sense. i wouldn't believe that he's coming from where you're seeing it from good okay that's a relief like yeah. I, I don't i don't want anybody to be like that but yeah. tell us about tell us about Giant Lands, Lissa. A TLDR. Giant Lands is the brainchild of Dinehart. So he's an idea guy. He had this cool idea where he wanted to create a game um, that was apocalyptic and nature based with magic. Um, and so he got together with James M. Ward, which he's one of the veterans of TSR, the original TSR one. Um, and they made this cool game. Oh, and a uh, Actually, James M. Ward is the co-author of Deities and Demigods, which we've talked about before. <sighs> so there's that. A plug, so, plug, 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 plug. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Giant Lands is a tabletop role-playing game, um, I believe to be published later this year. Um, they started kind of doing a Kickstarter uh, funding last year, um, and it was, well, was supposed to be the first and only product of TSR3 was this Giant Lands game. Um, in an attempt to boost sales, because Giant Lands was something before they kind of joined TSR3, I believe. Um, so they joined or like combined or went underneath TSR3 as their first game in order to boost sales because they weren't doing that great or they weren't doing enough sales for to what they thought they could be doing. So Giant Lands specifically is an important note because it was or their twitter account was part of the twitter gate and um it also explains how everything is connected because it combines dinehart and some of the tsr peeps including ernie gygax and justin lanasa um so conspiracy theory everything is connected everything is connected so Again, bunch of word vomit we just threw at you. But so how are these guys connected? So, yes, they all have roles within TSR3. Ernie Gygax, Stephen Dinehart, Justin Lanasa. They all have titles or had titles at one point for TSR3. And from what we understand, like how do these guys know each other? Very brief before we get on to the next section. Ernie met Justin Lanasa at something called Geek Nation, which is a touring company with geeky tours um, that does a couple tours around uh, Lake Geneva. We don't know exactly who approached whom 
Um, but something happened, and the idea for the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, which is the building that Justin Lanasa owns, came to be, we believe, around that time when they met. Stephen Dinehart pitched Giant Lands to James Ward, who we mentioned, um, an old TSR1 employee, who, and he knew Ernie because they worked together at the original company. And presumably, James Ward connected Stephen Dinehart and Ernie Gygax because Ernie Gygax actually wrote the foreword, right, to Giantlands? Yeah, to Giantlands. <clears throat> so they did know each other and know each other well enough that Ernie wrote the foreword to Dinehart's game. And Dinehart owns Wonderfilled and Giantlands. And Ernie and Lanassa are running the museum slash LLC to publish giant lands so they're one big happy family in this fucked up story time <laughs> so and their their names are the ones we're going to be saying the most as we get into the timeline yeah so hopefully hopefully that provided enough context for you <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado uh, let's get into part two Ooh, that rhymed. Am I on Sesame Street now? Probably. Part two, the timeline of events. In a sort of prelude to the timeline of events, we are entering at the 15th of June when a press release was um, put out that TSR is back with the squad of TSR3 that we mentioned previously. So... Justin Lanasa as the CEO of TSR3, Ernest Gary Gygax Jr., so Ernie Gygax, as the executive vice president of TSR3, and Stephen E. Dinehart as the cr chief creative officer of TSR3. And also somebody called Jeff R. Leeson, um, who we won't really get into, but also the chief creative officer. Um, he's uh, one of the TSR1... No, I thought it was a C... COO. Oh, wait, COO. Like C Chief. Yeah. Chief Operations Officer? Chief Officer of Operations? Something like yeah. that. TSR3 was set up with these people in power, so to speak, in TSR3. And Ernie Gygax then gave an interview on the 23rd of June. Um, so that's not 15 days later, but like 10? Nine, eight, eight days, eight days. I think math, quick, quick math. So good at math. <laughs> eight days <laughs> later, Ernie Gygax gave an interview on a YouTube channel called Sci-Fi for Me TV, which was called Live from the Bunker 277, the return of TSR games. So this was, I think, uh, an opportunity to talk about the new TSR games. Um, so TSR 3, as it had just come out. And this channel usually does stuff to do with geeks. Um, so news, interviews, and updates in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. Um, so kind of TSR games doing a major return was kind of up their alley, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So Charday is going to give us um, some of the quotes in the interview that were said that kind of started the domino effect that led to the Twitter gate. Um, so these were said by Ernie Gygax, the oldest son of Gary Gygax, in this interview. 
and you are or will be able to find the original video in the sources and listen to what he said. It's quite a long interview, but these are two of the quotes that we found that were sort of what people were picking up on as the most problematic. Yeah, so the reason that this interview even really got a lot of traction is that, yeah, people were excited that TSR was back. Uh, They were excited to see the name again. But it also got some flack because Ernie said some things that could be interpreted as pretty insensitive, pretty bad. Well, I'll read out, I'm going to read out two quotes in full and you can um, get your own opinions from there. So the first quote is in relation to the original TSR, TSR1. So Ernie said, TSR has been gone. There's a ton of artists and game game designers and people that play. And recently, they were dissed for being old-fashioned, possibly anti-modern trends and enforcing, or even having the concepts of gender identity. Ha 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 ha. He actually laughed, but yeah. I don't really know how to mimic his laugh. So why why is that problematic, do you think, Lissa? I think, for me specifically, I'm picking up the... Okay, well, first of all, the laughter, very obviously. He's laughing at the idea of gender identity concepts in games, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, okay, that's your personal opinion, but, you know, that's... That's not something you're you're gonna want to say out loud to a public audience on the internet in this day and age, because you're you're outing yourself as an old fashioned, possibly anti modern trend. And I think it should also be said that it, I guess the way he worded it, and this was this is brought up, I think, in later iterations of this whole situation that. His comment about having the concepts of gender identity and laughing about it, it can be misinterpreted, I guess. But it should also be noted that the interviewers, the sci-fi for me TV, didn't ask him for clarification. Yeah. And that'll that'll come up later. Yeah. That'll come up later. So it's not even just on Ernie on that one, in my opinion. Yeah, and he says even having the concepts of gender identity. And I thought that... Like, I picked on that before, and, like, I hate it when people say even anything, like... And even doing this. Even doing this as, like, an additional thing that I can pick on. Yeah. So, on top of that, there is another quote. This is a bit longer. And this quote is in response to Wizards of the Coast and... What we believe is them putting out a recent disclaimer, trying to distance themselves from the older games. So for those of you who don't know, you can purchase PDF files of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons and 2nd Edition on DMs Guild. They are published there by Wizards of the Coast because they own the intellectual property. And underneath the summary of what's in those books and modules, like all of them, like the settings, the modules, the source material, like underneath all of them, Wizards of the Coast did put a disclaimer basically saying that they were, they didn't approve of some of the 
ways that race was depicted, that some sexes were depicted. And you can read it. It's on DM Guild. We don't really have enough time to throw a bunch of quotes at you. But, you know, to Wizards of the Coast's credit, as we usually kind of sing their praises on this podcast, acknowledging our bias, like they they have acknowledged that D&D has a problematic past on DM Guild specifically. And we think this is what this quote is in reference to. So Ernie says, they're, meaning Wizards of the Coast, basically trying to say, we're a better company and a better type of person than those who started playing. At least that's somewhat of the impression they've given. Please switch over and be part of the new wave. You know, join the pack of lemmings. Oh, yeah. And the problem is my fighter returns antagonism for antagonism. So that's where we start getting into some difficulties. And I'm having to throw a protection from evil up. Yeah. He, like I mentioned earlier, he, this is the exact quote that he said where he, he does recognize that he, when attacked, he attacks back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, you know, he recognizes that fact and he says that. But I think for him, he's coming this from, like I mentioned, his motivation. He's, He's seeing Wizards of the Coast as um, tarnishing his father's legacy in a way because they're saying, well, it was, you know, all of these things racist and problematic and, you know, like we were not in charge of all that. So they're almost dissing his father personally um, with the content that his father put out. And because he's coming from the with the motivation of trying to like support his father's legacy and like bring it forward um they're sort of doing the opposite of that they're putting him down and saying well you know this isn't the right that the right way the modern way to play this so we don't acknowledge you know well what you while you can have the content and you can play it as you will we don't acknowledge that this is the right way to play so i think he's a bit hurt maybe would you say yeah, I would say he's a bit hurt, and I also think that the thing that people found most problematic about this quote particular is calling Wizards of the Coast and people who play any editions that are published exclusively by Wizards of the Coast that TSR didn't have any hand in, which would be third edition onward. He calls all of those people lemmings. And for those who don't know, lemmings kind of have this, it's scientifically unproven, but they're birds that are, they essentially like follow the flock. And there are old wives tales, I guess you could call them, of if one lemming goes off a cliff, then all the lemmings will go off a cliff. Yeah, they're rodents, I believe. Rodents. Yeah, that's what, I don't know I thought birds. I mean, they, they are a flock of rodents. <laughs> They are a flock of <laughs> a flock of seagulls, a flock of rodents that follow each other because they're pack animals. Yeah, it's it's been disproven actually that lemmings would follow each other off a cliff, and people most often cite this because apparently of a Disney documentary where they filmed lemmings jumping off a cliff after each other, and apparently that was all staged. Like yeah. they threw the lemmings off the cliff. Oh God, no! Why? Yeah. Poor lemmings. I don't know for the for the drama because they lemmings had this reputation and then Disney was like, well, we got to feed into people's expectations. And then they just fucking threw lemmings off a cliff. 
We'll have a source for that. God damn it, Disney. <laughs> I, I swear. God damn it, Disney. But I think that's – at least when I first – because I did stumble upon this interview before the whole Twitter gate happened because there were – people on Twitter were talking about it. So I watched the interview and I, I heard that quote and I'm just like, lemmings? Why the fuck is he calling everybody lemmings? And I kind of saw issue with that and how pe- I understood people could be upset. So – that was all on the 23rd of June, right? And so right after that is where the real magic happens, I think, yes. with this situation. So, yeah, the interview took place on the 23rd, um, and it just kind of escalated from there. Um mm-hmm. After the interview, and the interview kind of went on to Twitter, people retweeting it, people pointing it out. Um, people started at adding, you know, these these people involved. So Ernie Gygax and he and this new TSR company on Twitter. So on the twenty fourth of June, one day later, at two o three p.m., TSR three posted a reply to a tweet with clarification about Ernie's interview stating that Ernie's opinions were not theirs and that they welcome everyone. Um, They would try to keep politics out of things, and also they wouldn't tolerate being targeted by trolls, which we think is a pretty standard PR reply. Yeah, but also the not tolerating being targeted by trolls is just an omen, I think. Well, (laughs) looking back on this. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's 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 something that we saw in the the whole whole uh, series of events. We'll just say, yeah. Looking back on it, I'll say at the at the at the at the time, you probably wouldn't think anything of it because it is pretty standard. But now looking back on it, that sentence specifically, I'm like, ooh, did they know? Probably not. But like, did they? <laughs> so then, um, a few hours later, at five forty one p.m., in response to people kind of sending a little bit of hate their way. Um, They posted the following tweet on Twitter, which Sade will read to us. Yes. Dramatic reading. We are intolerant of hatred of any kind from all sides. All players are welcome at our table. Thanks to the role-playing game, we have a deep commitment to diversity and inclusion. Which, again, that's, that's pretty standard. There's really nothing wrong with that. But they are acknowledging that they were getting some hate and they were no longer just replying to added tweets. They were now just putting out tweets as, like, public statements. Hmm. Um, so another few hours later after that, 3, I think, 9.28 p.m., we get a bit of uh, more attitude from them um, when they respond to someone in the following this is in reply to like somebody saying that Ernie, you you guys really need to like acknowledge and clarify what Ernie was saying. I think specifically about gender is what yeah. really got Twitter yeah. upset, rightfully so. They in response to someone, they said, Well, what did he say exactly? Nothing. Ernie is welcome to his own opinions. He's not president of the USA, but an old guy whose dad made D&D, that game you love, and he loves to share it with everyone. Even you. Oof. So when we say salty, we mean like grade A. Salt. Mm-hmm. Mortman salt. No less than five minutes later, 
They started a dumpster fire <laughs> with a tweet that got people really riled up. And what are the origins of how we got alerted to the situation? Yeah. With a lot of different replies and opinions. So, yeah, it blew up. Yeah. So right after they started getting salty, you can kind of see whoever's behind the Twitter account just like getting getting rubbed the wrong way, which I mean when you, you when you get a lot of hate slung your way on Twitter, like yeah, lashing out is is a rea- is a pretty human reaction to that. Yeah. But saying something like this in this specific way is a bit when I saw it, I got angry. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so did this I. showed up on my timeline and I uh, They wrote in, again, this is not a reply. This is a statement that they put out on their Twitter. If you don't like Gary Gygax, you probably shouldn't play D&D. But we hear Milton Bradley was a really good guy. You might like his Vice versus Virtue games. So we have dubbed this the tweet that started the fire. (laughs) Because Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just let that, actually, just let that sink in. Like, I've already said this tweet made me angry. So, like, you just... Listeners, let that sink in for a minute. It's a lot. And, you know, we've had a couple different discussions on our podcast about separating the art from the artist Mm -hmm. and appreciating D&D and appreciating what Gary Gygax did, but also being very critical of Gary Gygax and some of the decisions that he's made. Mm -hmm. And I think personally that that's a pretty healthy way to address art versus the artist. Yeah. But clearly these people, and I think I posted this on our Twitter, like they clearly have never read Death of the Author, which basically, (laughs) if you've ever read Roland Barth, which I've probably talked about Death of the Author on this podcast, it's one of my favorite essays of all time about the craft of writing and novels and stuff. It basically just says that when you put art out into the world, it it becomes its own entity. And yes, you are tied to it, but now it's up to people's interpretations and you're no longer like... It's not, it's not yours it's anymore. It's not in your hands anymore. You have no control. It belongs to the people consuming it. Yeah. Because that's how art works. That's my opinion on it. <laughs> so, obviously not their opinion. They were getting mad and apparently they thought pulling out the Gary Gygax card was how to respond. And then, ho load, were people angry. Ho load. Rightfully so, I would say. Well, from my uh, from my bias point of view, I would say, yeah, yeah. Coming, we're, we acknowledge our bias. Yeah, we do. You, you, if 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 this is the first episode of our podcast you've listened to, hi, hello, welcome. <laughs> but also, you should probably listen to our other, especially our first episode where we when we talked about our first Twitter gate yeah. that happened and we analyzed Gary Gygax and his problematic past, and we're very critical of him in this podcast. Which, but we also acknowledge what he's done. Yeah. But yeah, in this time, a lot of people replied to this tweet with a lot of criticism, and we'll get into that at the end of this portion of the timeline. The next thing that they tweeted was, uh, what, what was the next thing they tweeted like from their account that was problematic? Yeah, the a number of hours later, so after, that was at 9 p.m., um, number of hours, you, one, yeah. we come to 1, 1 a.m., 1.33 a.m.-ish, um, and they just tweeted out from their account, the TTRPG, so the tabletop role-playing game, is the original safe space. 
And that was their last tweet of the day. Day one of the dumpster fire that had already started. So on day two, at uh, 5.26pm, we have the day after response to some of the backlash that they got. A reminder, we don't tolerate hate of any kind. If you arrive to fight or make threats of any kind, you will be blocked, reported, and banned from further entry. Please do your best to remain civilized. I'm just noticing the from further entry. <laughs> Such an interesting way to word it. But yeah, I, I'll say this. It's a pretty standard reply to getting hate on the internet, being like, stop give, sending us hate. Yeah. Fair response, I say. But then they added more fuel to the fire. Right? <laughs> after this? Like literally yeah. five minutes after? Ten minutes after this. Ten minutes, ten minutes afterwards, um, we have somebody called Meg the Sorceress coming to them um, asking for um, st- TSR3 to make a statement about whether or not they support trans rights. And yeah, she was asking for a clarification of Ernie's statements made in the interview, the original interview that he gave out. Um, so why don't you, Sharday, read to us what they responded to Meg the Sorceress. So verbatim, Meg the Sorceress asked them, could you please directly expand upon the comments made by Ernie Gygax about gender identity? Does this company support transgender people? TSR replied, expand? Ernie made no such comments. Please stop trolling us. Thank you. Which, not a great response. But that situation escalated a couple hours after that. Yeah. Because she she did reply to that saying, just say, we here at TSR think trans women are women, trans men are men, and trans lives matter. Stop trying to dodge the question. And um, at 10 p.m., Giant Lands replied to that because they were tagged in this thread. And unfortunately, in our screenshot library, which we will link to if you are curious, because there are a lot of tweets that we don't have time to talk about, I couldn't find why Giant Lands was in this thread. I don't remember if they were replying to people or if Meg the Sorceress tagged them, or maybe TSR tagged them in their reply to Meg the Sorceress. Yeah, I believe Meg the Sorceress tagged them as they were um, affiliated with TSR three. And that wasn't this. That wasn't a secret. Like T, the TSR three Twitter account was tweeting about Giant Lands. Giant Lands was retweeting. They were retweeting each other. Like their relationship was pretty known at this point. Yeah. So Giantlands does respond to her, like, stop trying to dodge the question with, you are disgusting. To a trans woman, no less. To a trans woman. So whoever was behind that account after she was literally just asking questions says, you are disgusting. I don't give a shit about what their reasoning was. Like... Because some people, I've seen the argument around the situation where they are just like, oh, they're probably just calling the fact that she's obviously a troll and trolling them. They're calling a troll disgusting. I'm like, first off, you don't know what a troll is. She was just asking questions. Second off, 
don't call people disgusting. Especially a trans woman asking a question about trans issues and asking a company to make a statement about trans issues. The number one rule is you don't be a dick. And, like, yeah. you don't call people disgusting because you don't know who these people are. You don't know, like, you you just, it's not something you do is call people disgusting. You can say, no, we will not make a statement or no comment or you can say whatever the fuck you want. You do not call people disgusting. I'm sorry, but that, you crossed a line. Yeah, Whoever tweeted that, you crossed a line. Whoever we're speaking to, like, that is not okay. I don't care if you thought she was a she was a troll or not. That's gross. And obviously, so Meg the Sorceress retweeted their replies. A bunch of people screenshotted it. And a lot of people came to Meg the Sorceress's defense, thank goodness. But also a lot of people agreed with TSR too. And we have screenshots of that. We won't, we won't go through it, especially in this. Now three day, we'll we'll go briefly into the 27th of June, which is one day later. But in this three day period, like there was a lot of hate. But we also want to state that there were people supporting TSR in this time, too. And we're not going to give a platform to them. Yeah. Because it's not relevant. You should just know that they exist. And we screenshotted some as proof. But yeah, it's it's nasty. And people were rightfully upset with the treatment that Meg the Sorceress got from these accounts. Yeah. So this just escalated everything. Um, people started screenshotting the response that Meg the Sorceress got, and they were asking TSR Games and Giant Lands, is this how you treat trans people? Is this what your company represents? You know, yada, 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 asking, you know, to for them to clarify, you know, everything again because she was just asking for clarification two days later you know this whole thing continues throughout the two days so at 7 41 p.m we get another tweet um from tsr3 where they they wrap up you know this three-day what we've dubbed shit fest (laughs) um because they just kept getting um hate from people from twitter from what they called bots and, you know, trolls. So they get bold. They get very bold. So what do they say, Sherday? So this is on the 27th of June. So we we didn't mark the 26th of June and any nothing really significant happened other than the same old, same old. So this statement is the 27th of June and kind of the conclusion of the original, like, shitstorm of all the stuff that they were posting on Twitter. And they posted... What we've been experiencing in recent days is very reminiscent of another moment in TSR history. Who recalls a satanic panic? Ends up some people, even today, still believe the hashtag TTRPG and hashtag D&D are in fact evil. Okay, it's, it's, they're not, they're not trying to say TTRPGs are evil. They're not trying to say that D&D is evil. Not, where are they grabbing these lies from like they are attacking the company because they are trying to get them to clarify ernie's interview comments they have said that ernie's comments are their his own okay but they're still adding fuel to the fire they're they're not letting it be they're they're sent they're putting out like 
I guess there's putting out hate for hate, which isn't really working for them as a PR tactic. And they're just escalating everything. Mm-hmm. And now they're comparing everything to the satanic panic when... How is this like the satanic... This is my personal opinion, mind you. How is this like the satanic panic when... Literally, it's just people, modern people who have modern values, trying to understand what their values are. It's TLDR. It's not like the satanic panic at all. I just think maybe they just felt attacked, and people did attack them. Some fairly, some took low blows, but I think they're just comparing their feelings because these, the people who are behind TSR3 did play Dungeons and Dragons during the Satanic Panic, and maybe that they experienced a lot of bullying or something during that time, or a lot of judgment for playing a quote unquote devil's game. And now they are likening the hate they got then with this hate, which I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare the two because. Like you said, this is just them refusing to answer questions and clarifications. Like if they would have just answered the questions that people like Meg the Sorcerers were asking, because there are a lot of people just asking genuine questions that they refused to answer and they brushed them off calling them bots. And I think that's that's a good transition into throughout this nonsense they tweeted a lot of stuff in these four, three or four days. And a lot of them are replies to people, um, which we can't get into full depth, but we both picked out some replies that they had to people that we think encapsulate the mood of like what it felt like to be in discourse to TSR3 at this time. So in response to transphobia claims just out of the blue they responded to like a random tweet about this saying we've been playing with gender identities since the 1970s very tone deaf no very weird sounds like a joke but isn't funny like uh, and you picked out a quote as well right yeah my i would say my favorite but it's it's gross also it, so, I think, I believe this is in response to the the use of the TTRPG as an original safe space. Um, somebody pointed out that they were misusing the term safe space, and D&D being the original safe space. They replied, actually, many of our players and team members are vets and or have PTSD. That is exactly what we mean. Thanks, Cal. For context... This was a reply to the person whose profile was asked, or whose profile had a picture of a cow. And she was the person asking them to, well, saying that they misused the term safe space. She had a profile. This is a, I believe she was a woman, she, her pronouns, had a profile picture of a cow, was in her profile obsessed with cows. That's not funny calling someone a cow that's not that's not funny that's not it's so tone deaf and so hurtful it's 
it's they were clearly trying to make a joke, just like well, we've been playing with gender identity. It's it's such a weird, like yeah, some Twitter accounts are famous. Like a lot of corporate Twitter accounts are actually kind of Twitter famous for being very witty and you know laughing off stuff like this but this is not a situation that you laugh about these just come off as tone deaf in my opinion and also the the tone is very different from the main tweets that they were putting out like their replies are either very angry very defensive or very sassy or they're trying to be sassy and that's just so interesting to me because it I think there was some discourse around this time that people thought that multiple members of TSR3 had access to the Twitter account because it was just so all over the place. Like their replies were different from their main tweets, which were different from some quote tweets, which were different from some retweets that they were doing. Their tone was all over the place Mm. and very hard to follow. And none of it was good. You don't call a woman a cow. Like, I this this is just basic, basic, like, Twitter 101. Human decency Well, human decency honestly. 101. Like, you don't call a woman a cow, and you don't call a trans woman disgusting. This is, it's just basic, cordial way to address people. Like, yeah. Especially if you're trying to win over people as customers. This is, you're yes. a business. Yeah. You're trying to sell a product, Giant Lens. You're trying to get people to join you and like your product. This is not how you go about it. You don't call people or just trying cows. to yeah. Also trying to get people to their museum. So not just giant yeah. lands, but yeah. also they are responsible for the museum and getting people through the door of that. And you're treating them like, like shit. crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the hell is that? <laughs> what 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 is your game here? Like are you trying to just like, I don't know. It's just, it seems like whoever was running this account or the multiple people who were on this account were just, they were trying to stick their ground and then they were trying to be funny and then they were trying to be defensive and then they were trying to be professional and just all of it didn't work. It just made it worse. Yeah. Like, they just kept digging their own grave. <sighs> so, take a breath, everyone. That's kind of like the main thing that people were upset about on twitter so if you were on twitter and you're you're following people in the DD community during this time you probably saw some members of the DD community post about it if you follow us on twitter follow us on twitter uh you saw us posting about it a lot of people who are on twitter at this time who are part of the community heard rumblings of it if they weren't involved they knew something was going on and I think even people who weren't in the D&D community or who were just in the nerd community and like nerd adjacent to D&D knew something was happening. So this is when people are saying the shit that happened with TSR on Twitter, this is the three or four days they're talking about. Yeah. So take a breath. The rest of the days on our timeline are more about like the aftermath of what happened and the public responses and a bit more boring comparatively. Still interesting, but like not in, you know, we're not going to be as up in arms about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So take a breath, have some water. What happened on the 25th through the 28th of June? So this is towards the end of the original tweets. So some of the tweets were on the 25th at the 27th of June. But on the 25th through the 28th of June... 
something else was happening in terms of like public statements on the issue. Mm-hmm. So one of the siblings of Ernie Gygax, um, Heidi Gygax, she put out a tweet on, well, not a tweet, a Facebook post statement where she kind of backed up Ernie. She gave details about Lanasa that he had indeed bought the old TSR office and they were going to set up what they hoped would be a museum and that this would add to the enjoyment and bring out the nostalgia of gamers and get visitors to visit Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, you know, the original place, birthplace of D&D as you know, it put D&D and Lake Geneva onto the map. And yeah, this was also a time when Luke Gygax was brought into the Twitter sphere because he was tagged in um, some of the tweets that were being put out. Um, I believe, Sade, you had more information about that. Um, yeah, so Luke Gygax um, was tagged. I, I don't remember by who. We have some screenshots but he was tagged in when this whole thing was happening and he basically said he had nothing to do with the new TSR, TSR3. And he had actually talked to Ernie and said that he should apologize for what he said in the interview and clarify things. And Ernie did not take his advice. And he actually had a bit of discourse with the TSR Twitter because the TSR Twitter got wind of this and they kind of got into a spat with Luke Gygax saying, oh, you were never involved in TSR. Like, stop pretending like you were, even though he wasn't involved. And then when I think Luke Gygax said something along the lines of, yeah, thank God I'm not involved. The TSR Twitter said, come to the dark side, Luke, which is a Star Wars reference. Very weird. (laughs) But around that time, he also did a Facebook post um, outside of those Twitter comments where he said he didn't condone what TSR was doing and Gary Khan, which is the con that he runs, the convention he runs, didn't have anything to do with it and weren't going to give TSR a platform. He also went on Facebook around this time and said that he that he was distancing himself and he was not involved. So the two other, two other Gygax siblings have gone on record and saying that they are not involved. On the 29th of June... Ernie Gygax made a Twitter and Facebook statement. It's a very long statement. We will link to it. So we'll give you the TLDR of it for sake of brevity. He apologized for the interview and he never meant to hurt anyone. And that's basically where the apology ends. He never makes any statements about trans inclusivity or about any of that. He just said, oh, I'm sorry, if it's like the same vibe as like, sorry if I offended you, which is an apology, but not the best apology. And he spends most of his apology kind of rambling about his time in school and being bullied. And there is one part of his statement that we do want to highlight because it, it's come to our attention. I believe somebody pointed this out on Twitter and we'll, we'll link to the original tweet where Ernie changed part of his statement so there is an original part of his apology which Lissa will read she'll read the original line and then the revised line where 
Ernie Gygax made an allusion to being a school shooter. And because he changed that statement later on, he edited the Facebook post. We just wanted to showcase that. I guess. Yeah, point point that out because it's 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 again something that's very questionable. Trigger warning if you don't want to hear this part, please skip ahead. It's gonna take less than a few minutes. But yes, uh he originally wrote before it was edited out. I played the violin and often I began to wish that, indeed, I did have a Thompson 45 machine gun inside so that I could wipe away some of those laughs. I was far too shy and then embarrassed. And then he goes on. To which he edited on Facebook, and I believe on Twitter the post was deleted? Or it was a, it was a string of posts. So on Facebook it was edited. To, I played the violin, and often I began to wish I had superpowers, perhaps become a giant, dot dot. I was far too shy and then embarrassed. And then he goes on. Saying something like that is not okay, and we wanted to talk about it, and just for a minute, just to say that we want to come out publicly and say it's not okay, and having those thoughts... And putting them out there like that, especially in this day and age, is I'm surprised he didn't get called out more for it. So I just I don't really know how to talk about it other than it's just it's just flat out not okay. I don't even really want to analyze it. It's just not okay, And we want to acknowledge that it happened and that the person who wrote it edited it. And now it doesn't exist anymore. But at one point in the original statement, it did exist. And you can't, it's the internet, man. When you put something on there, it's there forever. Yeah. Um, So on the 2nd of July, Ernie Gygax and Stephen Deinhardt deactivated their Twitter accounts. Um, We don't have screenshots of what Deinhardt said during that time but only what he did say afterwards. Yeah, I, I literally searched his Twitter for... Because I really wasn't paying attention to Stephen Dinehart when this whole thing was going down. I didn't know about his role until after. So I personally like searched his Twitter for tweets during this time, right around this incident. And they're, if he did tweet during this time, they're all deleted. So if anybody has screenshots that he of things he said during the initial dumpster fire we'd love to see them and add them to our public library that we're putting together of this entire incident because yeah we only have screenshots of what he said afterwards which are equally problematic you know kind of the stereotypical calling people a mob and how twitter is a toxic place and not really taking responsibility for anything basically Mm. so that was on the 2nd of july um, so this had been going on from the 24th of June. We've now tr- crossed over into July. Um, so on the 6th of July, TSR then deactivates their Twitter account. Yeah, I don't think there's anything other we need to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, they just deactivate their Twitter account. Yeah. 
And this is where Dinehart's Twitter picked up and I started to find more stuff about it. So on the 8th of July, I just thought that was worth mentioning briefly, he breaks up with D&D. He has like this very odd post where he ends his relationship with Wizards D the Wizards, the at Wizards underscore D&D Twitter account. So Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast. We're not quite sure what this means because they didn't really have any exchange public exchanges on Twitter. There is speculation that during this time, Wizards of the Coast contacted TSR3 about what had been going on. We don't know if legal action was filed. We don't know if it was a conversation. But Stephen Dinehart's tweet around this time kind of alludes to the fact that maybe something was going on behind the scenes. But we can only speculate as to what that is. It wasn't just Wizard of the Coast. It was Hasbro as well because they own Wizards of the Coast or something? He... Yeah, in the tweet, he already said he had a bad relationship with Wizards of the Coast and with Hasbro, but he was specifically breaking up with Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Specifically. That's what the tweet was about. And we have a screenshot of what he said. A day later, on the uh, 9th of July, is kind of where this whole situation was winding down. So a lot of things happened on July 9th. So there was a press release from TSR3, where they rebranded into TSR Hobbies. They are not using the TSR logo that they got from TSR2. They are now using Ernie Gygax's The Game Wizards logo, which they also have um, licensed. Dinehart stepped down as chief creative officer. He made a public statement on Twitter. And Giantlands also tweeted on July 9th that they are no longer publishing with the TSR brand. And then TSR in their public statement announced a new PR manager where he, I think, I believe it was under him that this public relations statement was put out, right? Like he's the one who signed it. His name is Michael. Yeah, Michael um, Hovermail. Michael Hovermail. Um, And through this statement, they said that all social media posts from that TSR Twitter account, anything from Wonderfilled, which is uh, Dinehart's company, anything from Ernie, any public statements from Lanasa are all invalid, which personal opinion, I don't think that's how that works, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. Um, That's kind of one of the last things that happens but also in this press release because again we feel like it's worth mentioning there was an amended apology from allegedly Ernie Gygax so Michael released the press release yes uh he he's the one who who wrote the press release it seems but it said that there on that press release, there was an updated apology from Ernie. Ernie Gygax, that, yeah. Yeah, from Ernie Gygax that you can go ahead and read. And we felt it um, was worth talking about because nobody really talked about his up- upgraded apology mm. after his really shitty first one. So I mean, that that's the only place where I've ever seen it was on this press release. Um, so it wasn't posted on anywhere else that I've know of um just on this specific press release on this specific um pr website um so it does say after like a statement on the bottom it adds that according to ernie gygax this is a quote from him 
I wish to speak directly to the transgender community regarding this incident. The individual who was speaking to you on Twitter does not represent me or TSR in any way. Trans people are always welcome to play with us. Everyone is welcome at our table. Arguably a better apology. Does it make up for what happened? Probably not. But it is a public statement that allegedly, that that has his name on it. So even yeah. if he didn't write it. It's attributed to him. Exactly. That was on the 9th of July. Some days later, on the 12th of July, TSR cuts ties with Wonderfilled in another press release. It's the end of the fallout, um, and it all ends up with everyone breaking up. All the connections are severed between... Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, between, yeah, Dinehart, TSR, Ernie. Yeah. So the 12th of July is kind of, we're kind at least for now, that's where we're kind of ending our timeline, is with that final press release. And throughout this entire thing, so we, we've come to the end of the timeline. Again, everybody take a deep breath, have some water, go to the bathroom, give us a pause. Take um, a breather. We're just about at the end of, yes, take a breather. Do some yoga. Um, <laughs> we're at the, the conclusion of part two. Um, And we just want to end on two very important notes. So the first note is that during this whole thing, we didn't have time to get into all of it, but people came out in support of TSR3. Like we kind of briefly touched on, there were people mostly who we identified as old school gamers who were very supportive of TSR and Ernie Gygax specifically and saying that, you know, Twitter haters forget the haters we're excited to see you back like they had they did have people on their side but there were a lot of people who also came out publicly and condemned them so just a sampling of these people for the just to give you kind of a taste of the kinds of people on both sides people who came out publicly in opposition the youtube channel and website tankars tavern that's where i first became aware of who jason elliott was and they gave him a platform to talk about the whole trademark situation. Jason Elliott and TSR2 have both come out in condemnation of TSR3's actions and statements. The Game Manufacturers Organization, otherwise known as Gamma, has barred TSR3 from any of their events or anything associated with them, as has Gen Con, the biggest board game convention in at least the United States. Luke Gygax, we talked about briefly, and he runs GaryCon, which is a uh, smaller convention that is specifically in tribute to his father, the late Gary Gygax. He and he spoke on behalf of GaryCon will also not be giving TSR3 a platform. They are not welcome at their con. And also just one that I thought was worth bringing up, Freddie Pitch Jr., of all people came out in condemnation of TSR3. Like, how weird is that? Freddie Prince Jr.? I Hello? Hi? I mean, I knew he was a nerd. Like, he voices one of the best companions in Dragon Age Inquisition, Iron Bull, who I didn't know that was Freddie Prince Jr., but, like, he's a very talented voice actor. He's a talented actor, but, like, he does a lot of voice work now, and he is in the nerd community, but I was very surprised because he... 
I believe he replied to Meg the Sorceress specifically and said that he was in support of her and he didn't support whatever the fuck that TSR was doing. And I just thought that was so cool. Also, he's married to Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that we stan. Queen. She is our queen. So in support of TSR3, the channel War Campaign on YouTube, they gave a platform to one of TSR3's collaborators and had some very choice words to say, or their guest had very choice words to say about the Twitter situation. Clownfish TV, very similar. The person who runs it, very choice things to say about everybody in opposition. Yeah, I think Clownfish TV specifically was the first to come out in support of TSR3, which was tweeted out by or retweeted by TSR3 themselves, which got a lot of responses to that. Uh, Sci-Fi For Me TV, the original channel, who Mm -hmm. gave Ernie Gygax the platform to have those quotes at the beginning. They put out some tweets that were just about like, hey, it's crazy what's happening on Twitter. And very clearly didn't condemn anything that Ernie was doing. And honestly, silence in a situation like this is basically just condoning what's happening because you're the one who gave him the platform to begin with in my opinion yeah he did the guy that runs it or did the interview he did um in an actually in an in a kind of talk between him and clownfish tv which already said something about those two platforms or or groups on youtube um they yeah they 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 were just very complacent with the statements made and just kind of attacking people that attacked TSR3 for coming at them and kind of very obviously these were they were talking about well I mean the whole interview or like talk between them was it was very obvious that they were out of touch with how modern D&D is is being played they, one of them, I think Clownfish TV had not been following D&D for the past four years because, you know, of personal life stuff. And they kind of came back and they just were so confused how popular D&D had become and how these people were so at an arms with. Yeah, we we can talk about more, that more in part three, I think, because, yeah, that's, I think, one of the main through lines. But yeah. There are a couple epilogue things that you wanted to mention before we do move on to part because we're, oh, yeah. we're just about there. So, like, don't worry. Yeah. Just hang on to that thought. Don't worry. We're, we're um, almost there. But there were a couple of epilogue things that you wanted to mention. So, at the end of all this, TSR2, um, so Jason Elliott, um, changed his company from TSR to Solarian Games. He rebranded with a new logo, new website. Um, we watched the interview um, with him where he... Uh, announced all of this and tsr3 is well they they did a public breakup with wonderfield incorporated but for some reason their tsr.games website still links to wfd so wonderfield.games so if you type in tsr.games it'll automatically redirect you to wfd.games which is the wonderfield website 
Well, I mean, there's two wonderful websites. It's it's a bit confusing. The original company that Dinehart um, set up, which is his, you know, his uh, game company, and then the Wonderfilled Games that TSR three kind of changed into, which it's are they linked or are they not linked? Um, we still don't know, and we don't have enough time to like be more slovenly sleuthy about it unfortunately but i just like instead of taking your website down you literally redirect and this is after the press release and the public statements came out that alluded to the breakup of these like companies of wonderfield and tsr3 they still link to that website so is it an error is it just friends trying to support each other outside of this whole thing is it a bit sketchy Eh, maybe it's all of them there was also some discourse about that on twitter as well about like how are these people really broken up yeah all these all these theories out there i don't even know if they're conspiracy theories i'll just call them theories yeah but i know that's about it for our timeline Big chunky boy, big chunky timeline, Oof. and now we'll we'll kind of cool down with part three, which is our it's it's going to be a short section, but we'll just go ahead take another breather, <laughs> take another <laughs> sip of water, and uh, whew, calm down, and uh, we'll go ahead and dive into our final section, part three. So part three, what can we learn from this dumpster fire? So many things, I think. So many. So many. (laughs) There are a lot of takeaways. Yeah. Um, I think the first and foremost thing that for me was apparent is a lot of these people, these old gamers um, who are setting up these um, tributes to Gary Gygax and the old TSR and who who just ship them in a way that, you know, it's it's nostalgia for them. You know, they play the original games, they played, they they worship Gary Gygax. You know, it's it's all well and good, you know, it's fine. Like everyone's allowed to have their own likes and dislikes. But it is apparent that they aren't very up to date with how D&D has progressed since then or if they are up to date they don't they don't like it so they don't follow they don't you know they don't consume that content they don't know what's going on with you know modern D&D because they don't is not their thing um so they they're a bit out of date they don't take the twitter backlash seriously they were calling people who were coming at them with questions. They were calling them bots and trolls. And I mean, some of them, yeah, they could be bots. Some of them could be trolls. And I did see some trolls in there as well. Um, Specifically, you know, poking the bear. But a lot of these people were just people. Like, they were stating that, oh, these people have low follower accounts, so they must be bots or trolls. Like, that doesn't... Um, Also, uh, like, yeah, like, they could be bots. It has been proven that there are bots on Twitter that exist just to fuel flames. But those bots are usually 
created for political gain or some sort of like intercultural war or like you see bots that are trying to stoke the flames of the BLM movement of the Me Too Mm. movement of uh, U.S. politics or even international politics. So like. I'm sorry, but in my opinion, it seems a bit big headed and egotistical to think that you like TSR three are going to have people who are coding bots just to fuck with you. Yeah. In this short amount of time, it could it is a possibility. I'm not we're not saying that it's not, but I think that's kind of a stretch for what bots are usually used for on Twitter mm-hmm. In my opinion, I don't know. Is that too harsh? I uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty I, egotistical. From from what I saw, most of these people who were genuine people asking genuine questions of TSR to confirm their stance on trans rights, which TSR then, you know, they automatically just blocked them or they said, you know, it's like they refused to interact with these people who had just genuine questions for the company to restate their values. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these were potential customers. Like, okay, if you're not targeting modern D&D players, that's one thing, but you're also excluding them out. And they're almost, like, they're almost creating the conflict themselves by not answering them, by just blocking yeah. them. They're making pe- modern pe- players more mad and more determined to find out what their stance on trans rights is. So they're escalating the situation themselves without even realizing it. You're totally right. And what was what was the point that you were making earlier about like Clownfish TV not even knowing what was going on in the D&D community before like this whole thing happened? Yeah, so a lot of these old gamers... Um, obviously, you know, you, life gets in the way. You stop playing D&D for a bit. Like if you're, especially if you're like in your forties and whatnot, you have, you have your life and you have children, you have families, you have jobs, you know, you're not a teen anymore. No, I'm not saying that teens, you know, are up to date with most of this stuff, but you know, life gets in the way sometimes. And they just did not realize how much role-playing games had grown in popularity and what the culture of D&D was. And, like, specifically, I think Sci-Fi For Me TV, or was it Clownfish, in their talk, they they asked, like, are these people really that toxic? And for me, when I heard that, I was like, these people aren't being toxic. That's not what's happening. They're so out of touch with, like, the reality of the situation because they're coming from their point of view. And they're seeing it in, like, a certain way, which just doesn't, from where I'm coming from, it doesn't correlate. And it's also they're using buzzwords like Twitter and internet buzzwords like toxic. So they know of some internet stuff that yeah. or that implies that they have been on the internet. They just haven't been on D&D part of the internet. Yeah. Because, and I would also argue that having a Twitter and having any social media is very important for a company Yes, like you should have social media if you want to promote yourself and reach a lot of people. But also, if you really are targeting those of an older generation who are playing your game, is Twitter really the best place to reach them? Is Facebook really the best place to reach them? 
Like they're not as in my experience, they're not as active on these social media platforms. So it almost sometimes even begs the almost conspiracy theory question, did they plan all of this just to do outrage marketing, which is a legitimate PR tactic in order to get publicity. And I believe it was, I don't remember if it was the Giantland's Twitter or Dinehart's Twitter or TSR's Twitter. One of them posted something saying that ever since they aligned themselves with TSR and ever since this whole Twitter thing happened, their sales have gone up. Well, I mean, they're claiming that. I don't know if it's true, but that's what they're saying is happening. I I can see it because if you have if you put out something, you're going to get two opposing sides to this conflict. You're going to get the people against them, which is, you know, everyone who comes from a modern perspective where, you know, you support trans rights and you support people being everyone having like rights and basic hum- basic human decency. And then you're going to have the people who view TSR3 as, you know, the icon that it is. You know, the they made AD&D, it's nostalgic, it's Gary Gygax, you know, you live for that shit. That was your childhood. You it's you're going to support them no matter what. And like a lot like a lot of people, it was pointed out by both sides that a lot of people just jumped onto the bandwagon without really knowing what was going on. And yeah, by hearsay of somebody said, oh, yeah, they said this that was transphobic. And then people jumped onto the bandwagon without actually listening to what was said. And on the other side, they were saying, oh, yeah, these people have no foundation to attack Ernie Gygax. They're just trolls. And then people are like, stop the trolls. Because they had no idea what was happening. Yeah. And like given the benefit of the doubt, as we said before, like Ernie Gygax's original statement in that interview that kind of preluded this Twitter dumpster fire, his comments weren't explicitly transphobic. He wasn't saying I hate trans people. He was just kind of laughing at the concept of gender identity. Yeah. And we don't know what the context or what he was thinking in that moment because he never clarified it. And neither did the interviewers. They never clarified things. And the people who are coming at this from a rational point of view and people like Meg the Sorceress who just wanted answers, they were being treated like those people who were, quote, jumping on the bandwagon when they heard that Ernie Gygax had said something transphobic, which it it can be – if you view what he said as transphobic, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because I find it very problematic myself – and I find yeah. it even more problematic that they never answered the question until this press release when even then it's a very generic response and it wasn't published on public platforms. You have to go on a website to find the press release to see this quote or this amended apology. So, yeah, it's it's a very convoluted and complicated situation that was made even worse by really, really shit social media handling. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that's another takeaway we can have of this is whenever you start a company, like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but whenever you have a company or whenever you have a social media to promote your brand, fucking have somebody run it who knows a little something about PR or knows how to use Twitter. And I don't mean like knows how to use the platform, but like knows how to interact with people. Yeah. And if multiple people did run this Twitter account, 
don't do that. You should only have one person run it so that you have a very consistent brand identity. Mm-hmm. And just don't don't do that shit, man. Like it's just just it got really it just got out of hand. It just got out of hand. Point blank. It just it just really got out of hand. And I think the the major turning points, I think in all honesty, I think that if it was just the interview with Ernie, they could have recovered. If it was just those handful of the first few tweets, they could have recovered. Even the Gary Gygax thing, the comment, if you don't like Gary Gygax, you shouldn't play D&D, very problematic, stoked my fire in a bad way. They probably could have recovered from that. But as soon as you treat a trans woman like shit on the internet. No. And you never apologize to her. No. Like they don't even apologize to Meg. They never apologize to Meg the Sorceress. They never said that what they did was wrong. Even in the PR statement. That is not okay. And that was the point of no return. Yeah, that's that's something you don't get back from in this day and age on the internet with whatever your uh, viewpoints are on, like, I guess, politics, which apparently this is a question about. Um, yeah. You just don't mock people. And don't gatekeep um, on both sides. So I did see both on both sides saying, oh, we shouldn't we should keep these people out both on the side of old gamers of like keeping out new people and on the new people outside where they were like, oh, let's keep the old gamers out of this and band together. Like gatekeeping is not the answer to any of this no that's just making more of a problem and that is the actual toxic behavior Mm -hmm. that needs to change yeah even if you say like oh keep out the older folks oh keep out the cis white men yeah like yeah they there may be problematic people in those groups but like don't gatekeep people like I think I'm not even gonna add anything to that I think what you said was very I think that how you word that was perfect like just just don't and don't mock people on the internet don't call people disgusting (laughs) just in general even though it's very tempting it's very human response to lash out Mm -hmm. try to take a step back and collect yourself take a breath have some water do some yoga twitter is not the end of the world it's not the end of the universe yeah did you want Um, did you want to add something to that I, I was just going to add that, like, we've talked about Gary Gygax before, and we, he is the figurehead that D&D is attributed to. In his words, yeah. he said in the DM guide of a and d and we've said this before as well um, in previous episodes, he has said that whatever makes your game fun to play, do that. Like, if there is something about how the rules have been set for D&D that makes it so, for for somebody in your group not fun, change it. Like, no question about it. So in Guy, Gary Gygax's words, you're, there are multiple ways to play D&D. Everything is acceptable. Everything is fine. As long as people are having fun, everything goes. So, you know, like, everyone is able to come at it from both sides and play it how they like everything's fine 
you know, all versions are okay. And that's, I think, the final word that I want to say. From Gary Gygax himself, no less. Yeah, because... You know, chances are, like, what can we learn from today and how can we apply it in our real lives and how can we make the D&D community better? The chances are we're not going to ever run into Justin Lanassa or Ernie Gygax or Stephen Dinehart. And even if we did have interactions with them on Twitter or in real life, chances are we're not going to change their minds about certain things that they said. Because if they would have, if they were going to apologize, they would have by now. Yeah. And usually in situations like this, it's usually people who are closest to you that have the most impact on you. So their friends and their family, like, they're probably not going to listen to two random women on the internet. I wish they would, but they probably won't. Mm. Um, so how can we apply this? Well, not attacking these people because that's not going to solve anything. But these issues that are brought up, like being nostalgic for the old games, gatekeeping, mocking people, very easy way to learn from this situation, this very public dumpster fire. You will probably run into these problems at your table when you're playing D&D. Mm -hmm. As a DM, as a player, you will run into problematic players. It, and if you haven't, oh my God, more props to you. Very jealous. But chances are you will you can apply the lessons that you learned to that. So don't gatekeep. Don't mock people. And in the words of Gary Gygax, just fucking whatever makes your game fun to play, do that. That's it? Yeah. It's, it's that simple. So now, what we all want to know, Shardae, the Stalvenly oh. Sleuths have uh, some... Uh, <laughs> analysis in the tone of voice and syntax and we have come with some answers for our v listeners i was gonna say viewers but nobody's viewing this where they're all listening i feel like i use viewers a lot too accidentally <laughs> <laughs> there are view listeners the listeners so charday <laughs> putting her uh, master's degree into good use oh yes who done it who done what specifically who is behind these uh, statements that were put out on um, TSR accounts and yeah. Giantland's accounts. And yeah. who are these people that put out these tweets? Because we so don't who have had access yeah. to the accounts, you mean? Yeah, this is a murder mystery. Who done it? <laughs> Thankfully, there was no murder except the murder of a company. <laughs> oh! oh. <laughs> hey! <laughs> but I do, I do have a theory. I do have a theory, and it has come from hours upon hours of looking through the tweets of not only TSR, not only Giantlands, but also of the public statements on Twitter, Facebook, and websites of Justin Lanassa, Stephen Dinehart, and Ernie Gygax. And I have a theory that Ooh. Drum roll. I think it's Dinehart. I think it's Steven Dinehart, who is behind 80%, maybe 75% of the tweets. And here's why. So, Dinehart is very articulate. 
he speaks in full. And I'm, I'm taking all this mostly from his Twitter and his personal website. Just FYI, this information is out there if you want to see. From what I can tell, if he designed his own website, and I assume he has full control of his Twitter, he's very articulate. He speaks in full sentences. He has a dry sense of humor. He asks a lot of rhetorical questions. Uh, he omits commas after action verbs, which you want to know who also does this 75% of the time? The TSR Twitter. And to put like the nail in the coffin of this theory, which I think is a verbiage I've used too much in, in this episode... Some of the shining examples that I think if you put them side by side, like these are the things that really stand out to me. One of them is on his Twitter account, he always refers to Giant Lands, the game that he co-designed, as my Giant Lands. But some of the and some of the replies that TSR put out say our Giant Lands. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And there are two statements that are very similar. That one that Dinehart made on his account right after Twittergate happened, like after he reactivated his account. So this I think was July, what did I write down? July 11th. And then there is a similar statement that was made on the TSR account weeks before on June 25th. So June 25th, there is a statement on the TSR Twitter that says it's a Twitter problem. Our community is the most welcoming there is. It's rare that there is anything but smiles. On Dinehart's account, he writes, the hashtag TTRPG community on the internet, specifically Twitter, is nothing like real life. Truth is, it's one of the most welcoming and inclusive gaming communities I've ever witnessed. Is that the same tweet? But with different words? Yes. Yes, it is, in my opinion. In my personal opinion. Also, while we were recording, um, I found that the verbiage of some of the statements or one of the statements on Twitter, I found the verbiage quite interesting. And let me find it really quick. And I just discovered this while we were recording. So the reminder tweet on June 25th used the phrase banned from further entry. You want to know who has an obsession with theme parks? Dinehart! (laughs) (laughs) Banned from further entry? Are you kidding me? Hello? Anyway. (laughs) So I think Dinehart has... In my opinion, control of seven, he was in control like 75% of the time. And I say 75% and not 100% because there are some things that are out of that line. Um, There are certain instances where I think that Ernie Gygax had control of the account temporarily. So two tweets stood out out to me. Um, One of which was a tweet that he, you know that whole exchange we talked about with um, Luke Gygax and Mm -hmm. uh, TSR? One of the things that the TSR account said was, come to the dark side, Luke. Which I guess that could be Dinehart, but it just, it struck me as something that only I don't know. It sounds like a close relationship. Between yeah, whoever's running TSR personal. and yeah, 
same with like that statement like oh you um what was it you, you were never part of TSR <sighs> you were never part of TSR Luke that would that would come yeah. from somebody who had firsthand experience um was in TSR originally Exactly. And knows exactly what they're talking about. Somebody who was never part of TSR would not make a claim like that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Unless they're a papa's asshole, which also could be true. Um. <laughs> exactly. And then there's another statement that the Twitter account made that states, to all those distressed about some of the terrible things people in bots are saying on threads on our social, we're trying to manage it, but it's overwhelming. We appreciate your support in this especially challenging time. First and foremost, please be safe. Thank you. Why do you do I think that this is Ernie? Well, his style from his statement on Facebook and Twitter um, is very distinct in that he he makes a lot of very common grammatical errors. He mixes up two and two, uh, which this tweet does. It's instead of T-O. All those distressed. It says T O O. All those distressed. And Ernie also capitalizes random words. I don't know if he does this for emphasis or what, but he capitalizes words that shouldn't really necessarily be capitalized. So in this tweet, the word social is capitalized when grammatically it, it's not necessary to capitalize it. When it's he's talking about social media. Yes. So that, yeah. So with with that said, I think that was Ernie. It could have been Lanasa because I, when I looked into Lanasa's style, he also capitalizes random words. He also makes some grammatic mistakes, but he double spaces after periods very often, and none of the tweets did that. That's that's it. <laughs> I mean, there's also a claim that there they did have a uh, PR manager before um, Michael Hovermail. So could there be a third or fourth person, rather? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. There definitely could have been. But I think because Giantlands also went into the fray of this entire thing, like somebody tweeted from Giantlands, the person who said, you are disgusting, there is no doubt in my mind that that was Dinehart. Because I think Dinehart runs his own Twitter for his own thing. He owns Giantlands. That's his baby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He owns Giantlands. Yeah. So that that kind of put me on the trail to Dinehart as the main person responsible. But this is just a theory. This is just my analysis of their prose and of their writing styles. And do I know this for sure? No. Am I making an educated guess? because of weird, randomly capitalized words and not knowing the difference between two and two versus somebody who's articulate with very dry humor and asks a lot of rhetorical questions. Yeah, 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 I'm making that, I'm making that guess. Dinehart, I would say, from all of the... Well, I, I don't know about Justin Lanasa. You know more about Justin Lanasa. But what I, can, what I know about Ernie Gygax is he's not very... Like, his use of Twitter isn't necessarily what what like um i guess you would say younger people how they use twitter so i i mm-hmm. don't think him as a twitter sleuth um i think no. he uses it for certain goals but i think dinehart out of the three of them well the out of the two of ernie and dinehart i think dinehart has a more good concept of how to use twitter for selling things 
um, since he does have multiple companies that he's trying to like get up and running and try to make money of. I, I can't speak for Justin Lanasa. Yeah, no, Justin Lanasa, if he has a personal Twitter, which I believe somebody said that he did because he deactivated it at some point. Or no, was it the PR? The PR press release, yeah. Justin Lanasa's was in, uh, invalid, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. I never saw any of his tweets. It must be either a personal Twitter or... Maybe he was making posts on Facebook that I didn't have access to. So I couldn't analyze his social media presence. But from how he designed his website, if he is the one who did it, and I'm very highly inclined to believe he is, then while his and Ernie's syntax and grammar is very similar, I think that even I think that Ernie had more of a a horse in the game. Mm especially when it came to Luke and defending himself and Mm -hmm. defending his company from his brother. I think he had more of a motive from a sleuth perspective. So the slovenly sleuths have determined that somebody done it. Somebody done it. (laughs) And it was probably Dinehart, maybe a little bit of Ernie. Yeah. But also maybe a PR manager. But if we are to go after syntax, (laughs) Ernie and Dinehart. Okay. Those are my guesses. <laughs> well, we have come to the end of part three, which means we only have um, some wrapping up to do. So on our social media, on Twitter, on both Twitter and Instagram, we did put out a uh, poll for you to vote uh, whether or not you wanted to hear about the TSR shenanigans slash dumpster fire. And we did get people who voted on that. Um, And it was, I believe, out of however many people voted, it was uh, only two people did not want to hear about it. Or two people weren't sure if they wanted to hear about it, rather. So, um, sorry. So, so we we apologize. You you can skip this uh, episode if you would like. Um, That's fine. But the majority voted to hear about this. And as we are a democracy... (laughs) You got what you wanted. You're welcome. Plus, this was really fun and we wanted to do it. We just wanted validation, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we had the information already, so we were just going to, like, post it out there. Yeah, we had to do something with it. (laughs) Yeah, we we had all this knowledge. And where was it going? Nowhere. So uh, we would like to thank the following people for voting on our polls. If you haven't seen the polls and are not following us on social media, we were at... Slovenly Charles on Instagram and Twitter. So for for our Twitter peeps, uh, we would like to thank the following: the Lady Dunn does at Matt J Dunn zero one, Chelsea at Chelsea Laporte one, Deanna Davis at Deanna Writes Inc, Becca Melama at Beckmel two. Pips Spicy 5E Encounters at P Fizzlebang. <laughs> Garnet Dawn at Ruby underscore Dusk and Alex at A Moxon underscore. And on Instagram, we have Megan, our lovely Megan, who we did a collab with at clown.princess.megan. Laura at Laura Lee Tea Time. Leighton Legends at Leighton Legends and Zargothrax 
at painting underscore pagan. You did a wonderful job reading those. <laughs> I definitely did not mispronounce anyone's names and or... 100% no. <laughs> it was perfect. The first go around. Yes. Congrats. Um, we would also, because last time we did this at the end of the episode, it actually worked. So um, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Give us a star reading. Write us a review. Um, we actually got our first written review between this episode and the last one. And we did... Keep our promise. We wrote a public love letter there on our um, socials, which we just plugged. So if you would like to read our love letter uh, to WW Kitchen Help, I believe it was. Yeah. uh, That is up on our socials. And please rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast out. It helps get us to more people and just lets us know that you're enjoying the show. And we enjoy and please like when you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, just say hi interact we love talking to you give us more ideas give us feedback we love to see it ideas for content exactly um so and then you can participate in the next content poll that we will definitely be putting out because i personally love doing polls just for random shit but also for this (laughs) (laughs) for important and random shit exactly so i think that's about it so um thank you so much for listening to we've been the slovenly trolls and uh don't forget the number one rule of D D. don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick wow we're so together with that bye. one so good bye, bye. <laughs> slovenly bye. trolls slovenly trolls we're big bad evil girls The Slovenly Trolls podcast is part of the Can't Be Killed Creations podcast network. Make sure to check us out at campykilledcreations.com.